0: The Giant Thinker's Giant Thinker's Podcast.
1: Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm Ram Castillo and in this podcast, I'm bringing to you top experts from various industries worldwide to learn from their success and to help us become better designers, creatives and giant thinkers. Hello Giants, Ram here. This is episode number 70. Today I'm joined by one of the world's top graphic designers specializing in branding and logo design. Our guest has had over 15 years design experience, has spoken at TEDx, been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, and has been awarded LinkedIn's exclusive best of 2017 for graphic design. With over 50 million views across his popular design blog, Just Creative, which doubles as his award-winning graphic design and branding firm, our guest has also worked across the globe in New York, Sweden, Sydney, and has traveled to 86 countries. His portfolio includes clients such as Disney, Nintendo, Coca-Cola, Jerry Seinfeld, and hundreds more. Graduating from the University of Newcastle, Australia with a Bachelor of Visual Communication, For him, design is a lifelong journey of continuously honing his craft as well as educating other fellow designers to build on theirs. Some of the topics we spoke about include introvert-proof ways to network, how to grow and generate passive income through blogging, how he financially sustained traveling for three years with his wife and what the future looks like for brand and logo design. So if you're interested or thinking about being a graphic designer, or looking at how to best position yourself in the marketplace, then this is for you, as we uncover what it takes to put yourself out there. By the way, if we're not connected already on Instagram, I invite you to reach out via my handle, the thinker. it's the fastest way to get in touch, And I love hearing from those on the other end of the airwaves. Now before we dive in, I'd like to draw your attention to Stoxy and also gift you a very useful and chunky discount which is not widely available. So Stoxy are my image search library of choice. And personally, after over 14 years in the design industry, Truth be told, there are hundreds of stock libraries that are just plain awful. But we won't get into that right now. Instead, I want to save you the hassle and put Stocksy in front of you because they've provided me and my peers with extremely high quality, royalty-free stock photography and cinematic video over the years and their options just get better and better. So before I plug the very generous 20% off discount, which they are kindly offering the Giant Thinkers community. And before you hit the fast forward button, let me expand briefly, literally 20 seconds of your time. First, their image library isn't full of cheesy, overused assets. Second, they use a highly curated editing approach to carefully select the most useful and authentic photos to include in their collection. Third, their business model differs from traditional stock photography companies. They focus on creative integrity, fair pay, fair profit sharing, and co-ownership for members and artists. Lastly, their website is just super easy to use. The searching, filtering, navigating, it's all clear. It's very intuitive and simple. They even have a drag and drop search feature. If you have an image and want to see a similar image on Stocksy, Drag any image into their website and Stoxy will populate anything that is related for you to review. They've also launched a search by color feature. Enter a hex code or use their slider to search Stoxy's collection by color. They've truly raised the bar and the industry's expectations when it comes to stock photography and videos. The quality is remarkable and you'll see the difference immediately upon searching on there. And like me, you'll struggle to go back to the other libraries you are using. Images start at just $15 USD and as a listener of the podcast, as I mentioned, you get 20% off. So head to giantthinkers.com slash Once again, that's giant. Thinkers.com slash S-T-O-C-K-S-Y. Use the code GIANTTHINKERS20. The link is also on this blog post. Alrighty, let's get comfy and straight in. I present to you the curious, the humble, and the dedicated, Jacob Cass. Jacob Cass, welcome to the Giant Thinkers Podcast, mate. I am so stoked to have you on the show. How are you doing today?
0: Very well. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Yeah, it's been, uh, it's a pleasure. The pleasure's all mine. We have been wanting to tee this up for a, a very long time, I would say. Um, you know, I had you on one of my creative live classes in. 2015, I believe, at the early 2015. Oh, yeah, making us sound old, mate. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, although that's not too far away. But uh, you're a fellow Sydney cider. Uh, you know, you well. You you grew up in Sydney, and then obviously you you went to university in uh, Newcastle. Um, and last time we saw each other was on a lobster boat. I believe it was called, wasn't it, in New York
0: City? Yeah, in New York. Yeah, that was cool.
1: Yeah, so shout out to uh, North River Lobster Company, <laughs> P- Pier 81, if I can recall. Um, all right, mate, so let's kick things off. I have an icebreaker question for you. Uh, what? Speaking of food, what is your favorite place to eat in New York City to grab a feed for under
0: $20? Well, if you ask me when I was in New York City, it was probably being my $1 pizza slice right next to my apartment. Oh, I went yeah. there way too often, uh, <laughs> that's the first thing that came to mind, but uh, New York is so full It's full of so many great restaurants, it's hard to pick just one for 120 bucks, but a dollar slice can't go past that.
1: Yeah, no, there, there's no chance we can get a dollar slice here in Sydney. Um, oh, no chance. Uh, I, think, I think it's an eight dollar slice more likely, <laughs> but um, I, yep. I have tried that, um, very, very good. Okay,
0: so uh, where would you say your expertise lies? So I'm a graphic designer by trade, and I specialize in branding and logo design. And I do dabble in interactive design, so UX, UI. Um, I actually did that for five years in New York. Um, very versatile skill set, but mostly focused around graphic design. But my true passion is logo design and branding.
1: Very cool. Now, you, you mentioned there that you were in New York. Now, let's backtrack all the way back when uh, you grew up. What was your childhood like? Tell us a little bit about uh, yeah, your childhood there.
0: Yeah, so back in the day, I I grew up in Sydney, and I was there till about 18, then I moved over to um, Sweden for a year, then I lived in New York for five years, and then I went traveling for three years, and now I'm back home in Australia, just to put the whole spectrum um, out there. But in terms of the childhood, um, definitely always lean lean towards the artistic, creative side of things when it came to school subjects, Uh, I'm sure like a lot of other designers out there. Uh, just looking back on it now, I've always had that incl- inclination. Uh, I really got into graphic design probably when I was about 14 or 15, and I was just dabbling in Photoshop doing like, f- um, face swaps and morphs and uh, just having fun in Photoshop. I had no idea there was a whole profession based around graphic design until I saw my careers advisor in year 10, and they told me about it, and I was like, this is for me. I have to do this, so kind of focus on graphic design design as a whole and focused uh, i went to tafe which is a college kind of thing here then went to university and kind of just went from there so that's it in a nutshell how i came into being a designer how did you how do you find that actually like
1: when you when you are told that uh this might be something of interest to you and then it is. And uh, and I asked this because I had a very similar path. My careers advisor also sat me down and it was the whole uh, in Australia here anyway, most of us in high school have to have one or one or two weeks work experience. We get to choose any company we want. We call them directly and we say, Hey, I'm in I'm in grade ten. Uh, I'd like to 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 you know suss out what you guys do there because I'm exploring career options moving forward. How did you find that information that you got versus i guess you know when you got into university and started actually pulling it apart you know the design disciplines the uh the course modules around typography design composition um all the actual like nitty-gritty of it what kind of stood out for you were you shocked and were you like oh actually i don't like any of this i actually just like logo design like how did you arrive there
0: yeah, so that's, that's an interesting question because it wasn't until university that I really got a good grasp on the design fundamentals and just how much uh, there is behind design in terms of learning the history of design, typography, uh, the, the principles, and then applying that in software and um, actual design projects. Before that, it was just um, just dabbling here and there and just like, oh, this is so cool. I love weighing out things and um, I can't wait to be a designer. But it's like, There's so much more to it and you you start to learn that it's about communicating a message and not just creating graphic art Um, I did do some art subjects and I I knew that wasn't for me I just like what's the purpose of this and I I really liked working um, for a purpose and that's how I kind of got a grasp on it and i focused in on learning the principles and went from there
1: yeah and and you bring up principles I mean I I saw recently on LinkedIn someone one of my peers posted a tester of a product that came out, which was an AI software that spits out logos for you. <laughs> and yes. um, it was shocking. It was shockingly bad. Um, and I and I guess uh, what I'm trying to get at is is everyone can pick up tools like you did when you were like 14, 15, on Photoshop and doing your face swap and you're doing your you're mucking around on filters or whatnot. But um, it really comes down to, uh, as you said, learning about design principles that actually can be applied to anything and everything what is a process that you can share with us that if someone was looking to design a thing whether it's a logo or a product so in broad stroke terms what is a sort of basic process that goes through your mind as a formally trained designer uh, to someone that might not actually uh, know about this process
0: okay I'll talk about my most common, I guess, process, and that would be when companies come to me wanting for a logo and often they just want the logo. But the where I where I come from is educating them more on creating a design system and a full brand identity versus the logo. And a lot of the times this means educating the client and showing the value of having this consistency and a whole um, brand image that can be applied across the board, not just a rubber stamp logo. So that's that's how... When someone contacts me, I end up having a chat with them or I direct them to articles on my blog that discuss it in more detail. I also share some of my behind the scenes process videos to kind of show the value behind the design and what I mean by not just having a logo. So my general process, I have the call, I have a questionnaire on my site, which is available if you want to check it out. Um, And then we have another chat, I send them a proposal. Uh, It has everything outlined on there. I get a deposit. Um, then I start researching into the company, the competitors and figuring out a design brief to, to really, uh, own it, own a direction that we can go or have a direction that we can go. And yeah, then I start the creative fun part and I work on logo concepts, keeping in mind the, the whole brand image, the fonts and colors and textures and seeing how that all can gel together. I don't just design the logo in isolation. So if you look at any of my artboards, which I, I've been sharing a lot recently on my uh, Instagram and YouTube and all of that, it, it shows just how crazy I go in terms of exploring different paths and avenues for um, logo design and typography and things like that. So once I've kind of narrowed down the list, I send on average probably three, con- three to five concepts in a presentation, sometimes it's more, but I don't generally recommend that many, unless the the client is more open to it and it's open-ended brief. Open-ended brief. Um, so I send the three, five logo concepts along with uh, the branding context of say a card or post or whatever it may be. And that's for the different, um, all the different concepts. So it's really there to have a discussion about ways we can take this. Often I even show logos that, um, like say a logo with a different font uh, or a different typeface and just to show them the difference on how that makes the overall brand feel and they start to realize how important um, it is uh, in terms of the, the full brand identity so it's about educating the client with this presentation talking about the reasons why you're making these decisions uh, and why you're recommending this approach over the other approach based on their positioning and their goals their competitors and all of that so That's that's the fun part, the creative logos and the presentation, and then we go into revisions, we have another chat and then we we find the logos from there Um, and then continue on with the brand. So that's it in a quick um, nutshell again.
1: Awesome. So, yeah. So when you so you mentioned you know three to five uh, logo concepts. So if I'm the client, I'm receiving three to five logo concepts. Good problem to have would be a scenario where I think uh, this is these are all great. Right now, have you ever been in a situation where, and uh, somewhat rhetoric, because I guess every every designer's uh, struggle always is is a educating a client is a big part of it. So I'm glad you brought that up. And then also just navigating that whole conversation, right? Because some of the opinions can actually be subjective based on how that person has lived their life and the experiences that they've had. So you just mentioned, you know, typeface um, and its impact on us in our emotional state um, but that, that might not necessarily be the case for, for some clients, you know, I've personally found that and then they, they, they're still sticking to their guns and they're going, no, no, I like the other one, which is what you don't recommend. Um, have you got an example of, of an instance where that has happened?
0: Yeah, it's important to say that I, like I, the ones I don't recommend I are shown to, talk about as a discussion point and generally they see that like the good and the bad but end of the day they know their business and that's why i'm presenting three to five concepts i've I've listened to other um, designers that that do the one concept approach and i have done that but i mean the um on the side of the fence where you present more options so you can have a discussion about what's right for the business and the directions you could go because it can spur different ideas and they, they may like the typeface from one um or another or like Uh, like the logo from one or the other Um, and it's about having discussion why you think that is and why I think that is and then if they have requests I'll show it um, in the next round and I'll also show my recommendation and I find that a bit more collaborative and a a better way to spur discussion and it also especially when there's like a board of directors or it's a creative um, or if it's like a boardroom kind of project where there's opinions from everywhere um, everyone wants to see this or that and it's good to cure their curiosity and show, like, show them their requests, but we recommend this way. And 99% of the time, they're going to go with your direction. And that's, that's why they hired you in the first place. So um, that's how I found best works for me.
1: Awesome. Now, we'll jump on to the next topic. But for those that do want to see some of this work in progress, or maybe you've got case studies online, uh, where can they find some of those? And what, what projects would you want people to, uh, to see first of, of your work?
0: Yeah, in the, in the past few months, I've shared quite a few uh, of my behind the scenes working um, on different brands. And there's one I just did for Waves to Wilderness, which was a outdoor clothing brand. And I went pretty deep in the process that showed a, a YouTube video and how I came to the different ideas and um, all the concepts I presented and the fonts and the secondary logos and the colors and how that's applied to apparel and things like that that was one pretty in-depth one there's a few more uh ones tailored to designers on youtube which shows my artboard and how i made decisions and how i came up with the ideas and yeah if you just just creative is a website and you'll find all my socials on there i won't bore you with all the links and I'm, I'm sure you can add it in the footnotes later anyway
1: yeah nice i just googled that waves to wilderness very very cool it's your stuff on dribble isn't it
0: yeah there's dribble there's dribble youtube Instagram TV, Fantastic. Instagram, everywhere.
1: Awesome. Google that, people. Now, let's move on to something else uh, before we, we go back to a bit of uh, design, designer-esque questions. Now, you've accomplished so many things already in your life. How old are you, by the way, Jacob, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 31. 31. Perfect. I'm actually going on 33 this month, uh, so we're not too far off. And, and you've accomplished what most people would want to experience at some point in their life. And we're going to tackle a few of these areas, in particular, starting and running a design blog, which has had over 5 billion, billion with a B, views to date. Another big one is working abroad. Another is winning a shit ton of awards. Uh, another is traveling the world for three years, which you briefly mentioned, and now raising a lovely newborn baby boy, Hugo. Shout out to Hugo. <laughs> um, all right. So let's start with your blog, mate. How did you start it? Uh, what were you thinking and feeling at the time during these early stages?
0: My blog. Uh, so that was created by, it was called Just Creative Design at the time. And now it's called Just Creative. This was started back when I was in university as a way to discuss or um, show my process of learning at university. And it was really just used as a platform for me to record my studies. And that kind of turned into a blog. And uh, I didn't really know what a blog was at the time. And I learned about the whole um, blogging ecosystem at the time, which was very small, and I kind of built the blog around a small bunch of design um, communities and forums and blogs, and we all were quite close. And that kind of spurred and grew as I um, grew as a designer at university, and it's it turned into my portfolio, it turned into a resource platform, and really has been the foundation and backbone of my business for this past. Or 15 years, or whatever it's been, and yeah, that's how, how it really started. It just started started as a side project, and that's how it grew.
1: Well, at university, right? And then you just you were just documenting all your your design thinking, and and you're just just chucking content on there.
0: Yeah, I was like sharing my design process with how awful my typeface choices were and what colors I was using and why I choose that, which were terrible at the time. But looking back on it, it it was a great way to, to share my learnings and other people t- uh, on the same journey as well. So uh, it was pretty beneficial for everyone and I learned from it from the comments and better designers and uh, really putting yourself out there. It allows yourself to grow even uh, if you look back in 10 years time and be like, what the hell was I thinking?
1: Super important point what you just said giantthinkers.com started as a blog. Exactly what you just said then. It was just me like sort of documenting my thoughts or maybe just writing stuff that I wish... I would have been told if I, you know, I was writing stuff to my younger self, and literally like two people were reading it, you know, my mum and my sister. I always say, like, you know, for the for the first few <laughs> weeks. Um, yep. Yeah, it is, it is what it is, and it's important for people to know that because you don't get from zero to five billion views, uh, certainly, certainly not overnight, but certainly not even in in two three years. You know, it's um, yep, definitely it, it, it just takes so much time, but it's about as what many people say. Falling in love with the journey. Now, how do you manage that? Now is my part one question, and then and then how do you make money from it? Is what I'm sure a lot of people want to know.
0: Yeah, for sure. So the evolution of the blog was, um, yes, yeah, so university. Then it turned into my portfolio, and then it turned into like a more of a blogging of my design studies. And in the, in the past few years, I've had guest authors on there as well, and that's really allowed people to find my website. There's probably about. 800 or 900 articles on there at the moment um, from, from 2007 I think it was and yeah that's how people find me on the web um, mainly through Google search and a little bit of a social but the majority is through Google actually and uh, yeah I have all these articles on there often focused around logos, branding, which is my main services. So people find these articles, they're like, Oh, cool. He has a portfolio, checks out the portfolio, contacts me and we can have a discussion. So that's been my marketing strategy um, ever since probably the end of university. And yeah, I haven't, I haven't spent a a cent on advertising in all those years. And that's because of the the Google organic search results, Um, putting the great content out there really is the content is king as I say. Um, and in terms of making money, the majority is through my uh, branding services. So like I said, that's how they found, find me. But I also do affiliate marketing. So I recommend font deals, design deals, mainly focused uh, courses, things like that on my blog. And I get a cut Amazon products as well. So, yeah, that, that, that's a side hustle. But the majority is through the services. Um, but, yeah, passive income is, is great to, to keep things going when things are low, lower than usual. But um, thankfully, that is not the case these days, uh, which I'm very fortunate for. Um, but yeah, services affiliate marketing, that's the main the main ways. Oh, and through my email newsletter actually, um, which is how I sell these uh, affiliate links. Is um, I also send like I have sponsored uh, articles on my site and I have uh, advertising as well, but they're quite minimal to the the, the rest of it.
1: Mm, yeah. Well, I first of all love that strategy and also when it comes to, you know, you might call it growth hacking, um, but it's the whole thing about create value, add content, um, consistency is key, and uh, also collaboration. And I find that with with those three things, which you kind of mentioned there, um, it does allow you to to grow probably far more than, easily far more than if you were to write 800 articles on your own, um, inviting people in to guest post. Is is a big one. Um, How do you find these people, by the way?
0: About three years ago, you had to search them out. But these days, because of how Google ranks your sites, people other websites are really after links. So these people, um, there's they're like not content farms, but they are they are content farms. But they there's you get (laughs) I get hundreds of emails a month from guest authors wanting just a link from my site. And generally, because I had so many. I had so many requests, I ended up putting up my like guidelines and ensuring that there was 2,000 words minimum, and the quality was there. They provide everything structured, and this ensured that the link farm articles were much better quality, and I could share them and have less of them but more quality. So that's how I how people um, find me these days, and that's how I find authors. I also occasionally pay uh, authors to write content when I'm too busy but the these past couple of months I've also focused on just writing my own back getting back to writing my own content as well and people are resonating well with that but because I'd been traveling for the past 3 years I hadn't had as much time to to focus on that that's why I've had more guest offers so it's just about um, adapting to your situation keeping it consistent but just in different ways yeah awesome and you
1: mentioned your mailing list which I'm I'm subscribed to and have been for a long time I love what you put out there it's actually for some reason, it doesn't make me feel like you're selling me anything.
0: <laughs> well, I, yeah, I try, I try not to be too pushy with selling. It's it's more about providing resources. So, um, in terms of let's let's give an example of, of a recent one. I was like the top logo design and branding courses available online. Um, yes, I'm promoting these eight eight courses there, um, and they're affiliate links, but it's providing value, and people don't have to buy these these courses is just putting information out there as well as like something like best laptops for designers Um, I paid an author to research all the laptops and write up about them and then I provide that to my email list and that that ranks as well so that's how the affiliate marketing works and how I provide value to my audience as well so everyone wins really for sure for sure how many people do you have on your mailing list by the way Um, I just cleaned it out, so I deleted about 6,000 inactive subscribers, so I think it's about 28,000 present. Amazing.
1: Fantastic. Okay, so uh, many people would like to experience working overseas. You did it in New York City for five years and traveled halfway across the world from Sydney slash Newcastle, Australia. It all started with a job offer via Twitter. Tell, tell the people about that.
0: Yeah, so I was studying at university and six months before my um, graduation, I was offered a job through Twitter because I was pretty, I was an early adopter of Twitter and there was a digital agency in New York that was, um, got the got my interest or they I got their interest and yeah, they offered me a job on Twitter saying, now we're going to talk to you about a job offer in New York and I was like, okay, let's, let's see what we can do and I had a chat with them and like, yeah, we want to hire you. And I told them that I had six months to go. Um, they're like, "Okay, we'll wait." And then six months later, I, I flew over there. Um, I found a place on Craigslist the day before my flight, and really jumped ship and didn't know anyone or anything, uh, any suburbs or anything like that. It just went straight over and um, dove right in. And like a week later, I was working at Disney. So it was like, it was like a huge, huge shift and uh, a really, really cool and very fortunate for that. And that's how I got to New York. I had some other issues um, with visas and things like that, which had some. Which I did a TEDx talk on. Uh, if you're interested, um, pretty much got kicked out of the states, had to go home to Australia, but I got back after seeing a lawyer, an um, attorney, and ended up coming back to New York for another four years after that.
1: Yeah, highly recommend watching uh, Jacob Cass's uh, TEDx talk. Um, it's pretty funny. Um, I, I rewatched it again after uh, many years. You did that in 2000 and. 12, was
0: it? Yeah, about that. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, man, I was so shaky. <laughs> I can't <laughs> start watching that.
1: Yeah, no, you did well, mate. You did well. And the um, yeah, the, the talk covers that that whole story, um, uh, the whole visa thing, though. Um, for those that do want to travel to another country, um, what's the secret sauce, mate? Are you, you know, do, do you have to have... A a university degree do you need to be you know um, have a dual passport of some type to make it easy like what how how difficult is it really
0: (laughs) well that's very handy if you have a dual passport especially in in, uh, the states Uh, but yeah the secret source is there's different ways to to look at it you could be a digital nomad and do like three months in each country and travel about a lot but if you wanted to stay somewhere for a longer time you're gonna need sponsorship because generally most countries have a, a max of three months of being in that country um, and you're not actually meant to work most of the time on a tourist visa so there's different types of visas for different countries and um, especially depends where you're from as well they're going to have different types of visas so there's not a there's no answer for the visa situation that's a very personal one based on where you're going and where uh, you're from but if you can get the sponsorship from a company uh, then it, that's the that's the difficult part but if you're wanting to start out and wanting to travel, um, you could go out on your own and do the, the digital nomad thing and run a, an online business. That's the, the first stepping stone. And people think that's uh, a challenging thing to do. It, it is at first, but it's easier than people think in terms of um, costs, especially if you start in somewhere like Asia, where the living expenses are much less than, say, New York, Sydney or London or whatever. You're going to be um, spending less so you can travel even while you're working. Um, and that's what people often forget that it, it, it is cheaper to to be in an overseas country such as Asia or area, sorry.
1: Yeah, I think. Did I read a post? You, you wrote a post about $50 a day or something, right? In Asia. Well, there's a
0: book. There's a book. I um, know oh, there's a book about it. Yeah, yeah. There's it. how to spend, uh, how to travel the world on $50 a day, which is true in some parts um, of the world, uh, definitely not Australia. Uh, you get <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is, is extremely possible um, like Vietnam, Thailand there's some great ones to start or looking at if yeah, amazing countries, fast internet, um, cheapest chips in terms of in relation to the bigger cities so yeah
1: yeah cool so with the sponsorship thing okay so I get that bit what do you recommend for people to get a sponsorship then if sponsorship is step one let's say uh, building those relationships and getting people to know you do you recommend? Traveling to a country first, getting to know people, doing coffee meetings, showing your portfolio, really being intentful about what your goal is, and meeting people who can hire you uh, with a very firm sort of position that you are looking for sponsorship and you're willing to move asap.
0: Yeah, so I came from a different position where I wasn't actually looking, and I, I got outreach too. So, but if I was to go and I had an idea of working for a company in a, particu- uh, in a particular country, I would actually go there as a, a tourist and scope it out and try to meet people versus just sending a resume online, unless you have a uh, ridiculously good one and you can stand out with your work, then you know, um, that's a different story. But a lot of the time it comes down to who you know and building relationships, not about just sending a, a document over the, the web. So that's what I'd recommend, um, just find, building those relationships for a short time while in whatever country that you wanted to go to.
1: Yeah, totally. Speaking of uh, building relationships, would, would you say you're an introvert or an extrovert? Introvert. Introvert, okay. I thought you that's might say. That's why I only
0: that. just started YouTube like a couple of <laughs> months ago.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which is totally cool. And, and I thought you might say that based on, you know, the conversations we've had in the past. And um, and 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 that's uh, important because I think there are so many people that are introverts who find it difficult to reach out to people, and it might even find it difficult to have a coffee conversation. What advice would you have for those types of people who might feel uncomfortable at first, networking, quote unquote? Right.
0: Well, I think I think you should um, thrive off their fear because there's no way to to move if you just sit where you are and. If you, if you put yourself out there, you're going to grow and get more confident in whatever you're trying to do. So your first network meeting, you may be the guy in the corner, but you get to get a feel for it. You can watch other people, how they interact, learn from that one experience. Then the next time you go, you could uh, start talking. You could start to talk to people more uh, and build your, your confidence up and just start where you're most comfortable with. Mm. I
1: mean, I would say I was an introvert growing up and then I switched um, because of that 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 switch was was actually something in my head that went look everyone can can kind of gu- guide you guide you to the door but you've got to step through it you know all that stuff mm-hmm. and, you know you've yep. got to. You, you, it's only you that needs to be, that that's accountable for your own happiness
0: yeah that's interesting you say that because yeah I would never have thought you'd be an introvert based on your current oh. self I'm kind of in between at the moment
1: yeah well uh, and that's I guess it's great for people to to are listening to to hear That it's not a predefined thing that, you know, oh, if I was always shy or sort of, you know, not really sociable, that that's always going to be me. Um, I literally was shortest kid in primary school, third shortest in high school, never the most intelligent, never the most uh, fittest, like always in the friend zone with the girls. Uh (laughs) Um, and, And, you know never the most wealthy coming from migrating from the philippines and whatnot um it's up to you right so i guess what we're talking about here Italy. is if if you want to get that job which is a huge part of my brand you know helping designers and creatives navigate their way you know jacob's done it he's done it in circumstances that were somewhat to the naked eye difficult But is there anything else, mate, that you can sort of advise people on with maybe a a struggle that you didn't expect or a hurdle, uh, you know, outside of visas and stuff when when, when finding a job maybe in another country?
0: Yeah, so I I did have to find a job quite quickly. So that that story, a little bit of an insight is that practically when you don't have a job in the States and you're on a sponsorship, you have 10 days to leave. Uh, So... (laughs) It's a very short time, but with the help of my blog, my social networks, I ended up finding a job and um, that was all well and good, but the paperwork got filled out incorrectly, not once, but twice. So I had to go home um, and I ended up finding a a loophole with um, visas because I was a recent graduate, so I came back on a different visa. And that's when I had to search for a job that I'd like to work for full time. So I went through that whole phase of looking for, a company because you can't work for yourself you have to have a sponsorship with the company so I went through the whole phase went through recruiting agencies um, and did all the, the resumes and meeting people and networking and it, that's that's really what it came down to so I know exactly what you have to do and it can be time-consuming frustrating but that's the only way that you're really going to get yourself out there and consistency and um, yeah just like I said putting yourself out there and building those relationships is, is crucial what tools would you
1: suggest to use? Would you just go like down the LinkedIn route? Is that your thing? Tweeting people? No,
0: no, no, no. no. I, I would definitely um, single out the studios that you want to work for and know where you want to work because otherwise you're just going randomly and you're not going to get anywhere just with a blast everyone approach. You have to build those relationships and get to know people. If it's um, just hitting up some of the employees on social or having a conversation, seeing if they organize uh, meetups or networking events, things like that um, to put it in context, like there was us was working in Dumbo in New York at the time and they'd have uh, monthly or I think it was fortnightly week meetups of all the digital agencies in an er- in the area. And that was a great way to learn about what they're doing and other people there. And you can get to meet employees and you have, you can get their cards, which they're all there for networking and um, you can get your foot in the door that way. So um, that's as long as, as long as you know where you want to work and can, talk with some of the people that's a great way to get your your foot in the door as i said
1: totally agree with that on the same page with building rapport personal relationship building is key whether you're finding a job or finding a mentor um yeah couldn't agree more um what has new york given you as a designer that perhaps being in australia uh wouldn't be able to give
0: so i don't know much about working in agencies in sydney uh, or australia because i haven't done it i've uh, I went straight from university straight to an a agency in New York. So I worked for five different agencies or startups during that time. Uh, one for four years. The other other four was for one year. Um, just moving about, trying to get a right feel for them, if they're right for me. And then I eventually found one that I really liked. And after I went to the agency that I really loved, I got the opportunity to work with the, the bigger brands. And um, I, although I started work with like Disney and some of the brands at, at first, it was not until I got to this last um, agency, it was called Amirati at the time, uh, which had been since bought out. But yeah, they gave me the opportunity to work with Jerry Seinfeld, Nintendo, um, Powerade, and brands like that. And I would never have got that, that opportunity in Sydney, at least for some, some of those brands. And that really boosted my career confidence and portfolio all at the same time. I got to learn how an agency worked. I got, got to experience the minds of other talented, um, people creative directors art directors and really got to learn how um, This particular agency worked in the agency life of New York. So that's what um, It gave me being overseas versus Sydney.
1: Yeah. Yeah exposure to all those things, right? Um, what what's the most challenging project to date that comes to mind?
0: Um, I, the, the ones that come to mind are generally the ones that just go on for too long and you get bored of them if they're larger projects um, there haven't haven't been too many of them, especially agency life. It's much more um, fast paced and um, you can't really dwindle around projects. But there's there were certain times where it just it just dwindled on too long or too many changes, and that's the most challenging thing or frustrating thing really.
1: Now if you had to choose, Jacob, one design software to use for the rest of your life, what would it be and why?
0: Oh, that's a tough one. Photoshop or Illustrator, but if I had to choose one, I'd go Photoshop because it has the pen tool anyway. So um, yeah, that's kind of cheating. Nice,
1: nice. All right, let's move on to a bit of the uh, traveling and working life of yours. Um, Can you give us a bit of context? I know you mentioned three years you've been traveling and now you've uh, based conversations we've had, you've now settled in Sydney for a little bit. Roughly, how much did you save For your one year globe trotting adventure um, that ended up being three years. Like, how did you sustain that financially?
0: I've always loved travel, and it was always a dream of mine to go traveling the world for an extensive period of time. And I kind of, the linchpin was that I had to um, renew my visa, which meant I had to go home to Australia to renew it for another two years, which meant another commitment for two years to New York. So uh, the decision was made after some convincing of my wife that uh, we'd go traveling and um, travel the world. And we, we set out a plan in terms of traveling Europe, which is quite uh, expensive to start with. And the plan was to go for a year and use the funds we'd saved. Um, and we, we traveled that year and we're like, oh, we could keep going, you know. Um, it's not as, Europe was expensive, but the next places we're going are not, uh, not gonna be as expensive. And at the time we were like staying in hostels and keeping things quite cheap because long-term travel is different to just like a couple of weeks away. Uh, you really have to think about your long-term expenses and the biggest expense is accommodation and um, Yeah, we it kind of just I was working at the time and it was easier uh, To work you didn't realize you have you realize you have more time than you think in terms of if if you're in one place You could work and visit a country at the same time So it just it just felt natural and we kept going and yeah We moved to cheaper countries and it just got easier and easier and we're like, oh, why, we could do this forever um, but yeah, then we had a kid and we, we want to settle down just so we had some ground in and we had the, the medical side of things here as well and the community. So that was important to us. And that's why we ended up settling home probably about six months ago or about nine months ago. And we've been here, um, just living the, the urban life and we've enjoyed that as well. But we're thinking of, um, packing up again at the end of the year and doing the travel thing again, just before the, the, um kid is over two which then they have to pay a, their third seat on the plane so that's the right. idea
1: hot tip hot tip there so you're gonna bring a uh, little hugo along on, on another stint
0: yeah yeah um we had our first trip overseas to new zealand for a couple of weeks and um he loved it his travels in his jeans obviously and yeah we're gonna keep going we're actually leaving for fiji tomorrow for a little vacation which we're super pumped for and We have our uh, grandma there to look after him as well. So we'll have a bit of a break, which looks super nice. And um, well, I do love his company, but, you know, laying by the pool without distractions, is also (laughs) lovely. Awesome. Um, But yeah. Um, Yeah. At at the end of the year, we're, we're going to pack up the apartment and go live in South Africa, actually. South Africa, which is one of our favorite countries for the summer. And then from there, move maybe somewhere in Asia for longer periods of time just to um, see how we like it. We haven't decided where yet, but maybe Asia, maybe somewhere else, maybe Europe. Yeah, one thing to consider: we um, the Zika virus is actually in a lot of countries, and if we're trying to get a, um, pregnant again, then we, you you kind of cut off uh, a lot of the countries. So that's something else that we're considering. It's all up in the air right now, but yeah, exciting times ahead.
1: Yeah, well, fantastic, mate. I mean, you are the envy now of like every single person. So
0: <laughs> I was going to say,
1: not even just parents. Um, or or new new parents Um, speak to me about that then the 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 Zika virus thing so in terms of like general health and well-being that's a huge concern for people that travel that probably even stops a lot of people from traveling I think as an Australian you're fortunate to go to your local medical center and uh, get prescribed even even some precautionary medication right all those things but for for those that you know, what how has your experience been from a health front? And and did, you know, did you get sick at all? Did you you know, especially with Asian countries, it's a bit hit, hit and miss. Like you know, to to be fair, depending on where you go and where you
0: eat, any sort of insights around that? Yeah, so we, there's certain shots that you can get from um, your GP to cover for things like um, vaccination and whooping and, um, vaccination for whooping and cough and um, typhoid and things like that. And every country is going to have different um, restrictions on if you've had it or not. I think some countries are pretty lax about it, um, others not. Uh, for example, Africa, you have to have um, shots for yellow fever and things like that. Uh, in terms of getting sick, yes, it did happen, uh, mainly just food poisoning. And you can never really pick. You can get food poisoning in your own hometown. So it's not to say it's unhealthy in that particular country. Um, it's just, it just depends where you eat. Um, you can go to a five-star uh, restaurant and still get food poisoning. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult to, to say where it's... Um, healthy or not, but in terms of, um, I guess, I think we're talking about Hugo, in terms of just having access to hospitals and a, a midwife and being comfortable with your surroundings and the care is key. Um, so that, that's what impacted us.
1: Yeah, and I guess just like preparing, right? Making sure you do all your research. Yeah, uh, totally. Big, big part of that. Um, so Jacob, what does the future of design look to you, mate? You know, in the next five to five to ten years what's your view on that
0: well it's it's interesting to uh, let's talk about branding and logos and because i do a lot of i post a lot about these trends and every year there's trend reports released by a guy called bill gardner in terms of logo design and branding so i follow them quite closely as well as graphic design trends and a good way to see where design is going is to look at current trends because that's really the only way you can um predict the future and the new technologies that are coming out. So definitely things are getting simpler. There's new technologies such as like voice search that are impacting, um, um, search and website structure and things like that. This is one side of things in terms of branding. There's a lot of, um, I guess, flexible design systems being built in terms of, uh, brands being not just like a logo, but having an identity that can be really, um, identified when the logo is not there and having it, it's um, whether it be fonts or colors or a general style, just being applied to a brand and having it be flexible across, across the broad to um, spectrum of collateral. So I think that's the biggest uh, trend I'm noticing now. Um, but yeah, it's a huge topic.
1: That's huge, isn't it? I mean, the other thing is, uh, it, which, which we might not have time to kind of unpack fully, but it's uh, the whole, hey, I, I spoke to some guy on bloody Fiverr or something who's willing to design my logo for like five bucks, um, you know, living in this day and age, whereas you said, you know, being a digital nomad is so appealing. The cost of the craft is almost being um, diluted down to a super cheap for the foot, for, for many people, not, not for mm-hmm. for those that actually uh, have branded and positioned themselves with um, a, a higher tier pricing sort of structure for, for their service. What are your thoughts around
0: all that? Yeah, so there's definitely a market for those types of um, services like $5 logos and things like that. I obviously don't recommend it, but there's obviously going to be uh, a marketplace for it if people are buying it and they are. So whether or not it's, they're serious about business is another thing. And it depends what country they're in as well in terms of economics and um, or socioeconomics. And yeah, it's it's in terms of... Um, where you position yourself, it's about differentiating yourself in the market and providing value that these um, designers are, are not providing. So, whether that be having um, all your work online, having your testimonials, having um, your awards, and how you uh, brand yourself as well is how you differentiate, differentiate yourself from um, these marketplaces. So, I don't think it's I don't think it's devaluing design, but It's definitely um, creating a new uh, segment of design. And I think by that happening, people are getting used to the idea of design being important as well. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword here. Um, But yeah, I I wouldn't worry too much about it.
1: You hit the nail on the head about uh, differentiation, right? For you... You've just mentioned, you know, throughout this this whole conversation, you know, your your whole life and your brand and your your uh, your name is against the the storytelling and the narrative, and all of that is expressed through all your social channels, your blog, your videos, uh, your work. It's all part of the the engine, right? And I think I think those listening who are thinking, yeah, but how do I get there? You know, I'm not Jacob Cass. You know, I don't I don't have these skills. I think I think it's important hearing you and which is why I'm so glad that we've been able to get you on the show to put a spotlight on the fact that you did not start there. You know, it all started from micro steps, throwing spaghetti on the
0: wall, as I always say, and seeing what sticks. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's you kind of it comes down to that imposter syndrome that people get and The the idea of not being good enough, you're comparing yourself to others, but everyone's at a different stage on their journey and everyone starts somewhere. So it's about figuring out what you want to do, setting those goals and doing the hard work in in, in owning that because that's the only way you're going to get there. Learn the fundamentals, do your practice, practice your craft, uh, and then you'll get there. Uh, Put yourself out there, create your persona, create your brand, and that's how you're going to stand out in the market.
1: Speaking of awards, real quick, what is the award that you're most proud of, and that um, that kind of stands out in your uh, in your enormous list of, of awards that you've won?
0: Yeah, it's not a particular award, but uh, I'm proud that a lot of my there's a, a, a logo book series called Logo Lounge, and they bring out a book every year and there's probably about 40,000 submissions to this particular book each year and about 2,000 get chosen. And for the past, I think, eight or nine years, I've had logos in all of these books. And I think that just shows the consistency of good work. And that's uh, something that I'm, I'm proud of. And I continue to submit to, to get that in, in there as well.
1: Amazing. Yeah. Love Logo Lounge for those that are... Graphic Design Skewed, uh, you would know. That's uh, very, very uh, reputable and, and just an amazing book to pick up, right? Uh, Absolutely. Just to flick through. It's like the the epitome for uh, graphic designers right there. So, mate, a few more questions. A question I ask all my guests, if you could travel back in time for 30 seconds and speak to Junior Jacob, perhaps the youngster finishing high school, what would you tell him?
0: Uh, invent the internet, because I wish the internet was... <laughs> So earlier in my life because there's just so much value on there so much information and i didn't have that uh, access growing up so i'd love that to to be there earlier in my life uh, but t- in terms of advice i i think that uh don't try to get ahead of yourself it's it's about what you learn over the your course of your journey it's not about jumping anywhere so put the hard work in and you'll get to where you want to go and Jacob,
1: who has been an impactful giant thinker in your life that perhaps has inspired you to think bigger, dig deeper in helping you reach your full potential?
0: The internet again. <laughs> there's, there's not one single person that I could nail down. It's, it's having that access to all the information and getting advice and tips and resources from everywhere, books, online, uh, and really combining them all to, to create a better version of yourself. I think that's the best mentor you can have is yourself awesome uh
1: so what's next for you jacob with everything you're involved in for the rest of the year and beyond
0: i kind of touched on it before in terms of the travel uh in terms of business i i'm going to focus more on working on the business rather than in the business so sharing about my process and behind i'm sharing more of my work like last year i, I because of travel i only shared like say 10 photos on dribble all the year so it was pretty poor form on my hard in terms of sharing but that was just because I was working and traveling so now that I'm a bit settled for this year I'm going to work uh, on the business and yeah that can mean more content uh, behind my work and process and um, trying to provide more value to my newsletter subscribers and to the general public in terms of uh, resources online because they'll find it through search as well so obviously in terms of family I'll be spending time with my wife and kid and raising him as well so, there are the three buckets I, I mainly work on, and fitness. Fantastic. From a business point of
1: view, it's all crafting and managing. Everything is through you or, or have you got a small team do you sort of outsource a couple to a couple
0: jobs to other designers? No, I never outsource design work. Uh, I've occasionally outsource development work when it uh, it's beyond my skills. Um, but yeah, design work, I, I tend to focus on myself and as well as the business and everything else for that matter. Uh, yeah, it's a one mind show here. Yeah. Awesome. I'll occasionally I hire author, uh, authors for my blog.
1: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, mate. So Jacob, how can listeners get in touch with you online?
0: Uh, my website, justcreative.com has all my links on there. Um, there's a free, um, if, you, if you're on there long enough, you'll get a little pop-up that has like a free logo book, uh, logo inspiration book and a brand in 101 email course, which is all free. Um, just enter your email and you can get onto my uh, newsletter as well. So that's the best way. And you'll find all my social links on there as well.
1: Fantastic. Jacob, thank you, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And uh, I'm so glad that we could finally tee this up because uh, uh, you definitely have uh, so much to give you are a good friend of mine that doesn't amplify with like you know loud noise. You put in the work. I see the work, and uh, it's it's great to see um, that level of of um, broadcasting.
0: Uh, Thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. And yeah, it's been great to get on here. I've listened to your prior podcasts. And yeah, they're awesome. Such a great, diverse mix of people. And I'm sure that your listeners will uh, also agree with me. But yeah, thank you. Pleasure, mate. Thank you so much. I'll leave you to it. Enjoy Fiji. Cheers, mate.
1: Thank you for tuning in, Giants. I hope Jacob has broken down some walls, opened up new avenues of possibility in your minds, and injected plenty of inspiration. Please share this episode with a friend or a family member if you think it would benefit them. Sometimes it takes just one little thing perhaps one sentence, or even a single word that can nudge us in the right direction. This episode might have done that for you, or it may have that effect for a loved one. You can forward giantthinkers.com to anyone and it'll take them right to it. Also, the Giant Thinkers podcast is available on Spotify, so if that's more convenient, you can have a listen there. Now, a quick teaser for our next guest. He is a former top four MasterChef Australia contestant who has an impeccable eye for creative cooking and an impressive imagination. He was born in Indonesia, raised in Sydney. He and his two brothers are the forces behind Sydney's most popular dessert bar, Koi, which also offers restaurant dining and even cooking classes. I should provide a warning that this next episode will make you hungry, so stay tuned for this tantalising interview. Lastly, a brief reminder to check out Stoxy. They are without hesitation my image search library of choice and upon landing on their website, you'll see why. Plus you get a massive 20% off as a listener. So I really do encourage you to check them out, especially for your next project. Their library is highly curated and isn't full of cheesy overused assets. The entire website is the easiest to use of all the libraries I've come across from searching, filtering, and navigating, all intuitive and simple. They even have a drag and drop search feature. If you have an image and want to see similar images available on Stocksy, drag that image into their website and Stocksy will populate anything that is related for you to review. Plus, they have a search by color feature. Enter a hex code or use their slider to search Stocksy's collection by color. So I encourage you to take advantage of the exclusive 20% off discount, head to giantthinkers.com slash Stoxy. That's giantthinkers.com slash S-T-O-C-K-S-Y. Use the code GIANTTHINKERS20. The link is also on this blog post. For any questions regarding the podcast or anything at all, the easiest and best way to reach me is on Instagram, send me a DM via my handle, the Giant Thinker. Lastly, I'll leave you with a quote that I loved from Jacob who said, keep adapting to your situation and keep consistent.